Bitcoin right now is extremely volatile and it's going to get more volatile as it, you know, goes to that end goal. But in that end goal, it's going to be the most stable thing in the world. Like it, it's actually the removal of volatility from the monetary supply. Hey, everybody, this is the High Hash Rate Podcast. I'm Mike. And I'm Dan. And this podcast is just two plebs getting high and talking about Bitcoin, life, and the absurdity of the fiat world. Our guests don't necessarily get high with us, and you don't have to either. But it helps. Hey, welcome to the next episode of High Hash Rate. Today, we're here with Christian Carolus. Is that how I pronounce it? Uh, otherwise known as CK. CK is the GM, the general manager at Bitcoin Magazine. Uh, so... Hey, Christian, thanks for coming on. What's up, Daniel? Happy to be here, my man. So what's uh, what's the GM at Bitcoin Magazine? What does that entail? Uh, just uh, dealing with bullshit nonstop all the time. So I noticed the, uh, you know, I used to see your writing in the magazine. Um, doesn't seem like you put out much this year, so you don't get to write anymore. Yeah, I mean, uh, I've actually never been a really big writer, so um, I my my content is actually podcasting. Uh, so I still podcast once a week. I do a podcast called Fed Watch with Ansel Lindner on uh, the Bitcoin Magazine live stream, uh, and that's also a pod. It, it turns into a podcast every single week. So we actually just recorded today. Uh, so that was a pretty good show. We we broke down what happened uh, with the FOMC, what's happening with the injury energy crisis in Europe, things like that. So we uh, we keep our audience abreast with everything that's happening in macro and where it intersects with Bitcoin. But beyond that, like I said, I, I just deal with bullshit all the time. But pretty much like Bitcoin Magazine is this like massive sprawling organization. Uh, we do a ton of different products, uh, and I generally get to manage all of it. So uh, a bunch of people uh, work with me. Uh, you know, I don't. I don't get into the weeds as much. I pretty much manage managers who kind of manage products uh, and channels and things like that. But uh, it's it's definitely a, a very broad and uh, and uh, wide ranging uh, role. I also work a lot with our our conference teams, so uh, I help manage the different uh, team leads there too. Um, yeah, I definitely want to get into some of that macro stuff later. I'm kind of a macro nerd and. Uh, Fun fact, listeners, I'm from Omaha. I live in Omaha right now. So Ansel founded the Omaha Bitcoin meetup. Um, he left a couple years ago to move to Florida. But I, so I haven't seen him since the Kansas City Bitcoin day. But yeah, really smart dude. So, TK. Dude, can I just say Ansel is, yeah. is a genius. Like the dude is one of the most right guys in the space in macro. One of the best. Like I literally am just an idiot on the show. Like my value is I just like ask the dumb questions and try to break down what he's saying into even more dumbed down versions. But he's the one who's really bringing the, the alpha there. So I have to give a hat tip to him. He's just one of the best in the business and extremely underrated, extremely underrated. Oh, I never thought to ask him to come on, but that's a good idea. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's soft-spoken guy, but he's so knowledgeable. So knows his shit so well, and you can put him up against 
any name and he's not going to back down. I mean, he, I really like dude. Him. Seriously. He won't back down. And on top of that, like he knows his stuff. Like the, he brings it every time. Yeah. I mean, especially in the, in this space, when you got a guy who's kind of a deflationist and the Bitcoin community is all like, Oh, hyperinflation tomorrow, hyperinflation next week. And he's like, you guys don't understand that money. That's not how it works. This is all going to like, it's going to be like a singularity. It's going to implode down. It's not going to explode out. Well, depending on where you're at, but yeah, I would I would say Antel is a a realist, and he's just trying to be as accurate as possible. So he's not even fully committed to any specific explanation. So, what did you do before Bitcoin Magazine? How did you end up in this position, or at least end up at, at the company? Yeah, no, good question. So I actually I've told uh, my kind of intro to Bitcoin story uh, several times, and my intro to Bitcoin really coincided with my my starting my role or my uh, my career at BTC Inc. and Bitcoin Magazine. But pretty much during 2017, I uh, got infatuated by the Bitcoin space. You know, a lot of people did during that bull run. I actually came in a little late. I came in in the fall. So this is almost my five-year anniversary to getting into Bitcoin. Uh, but actually, I missed the Bcash airdrop, so I didn't get any free Bcash. Um, but I, I have to give myself credit. I did a pretty good job of like kind of seeing through the ICO noise and the crypto noise and honing in on Bitcoin only. And I have to give Ansel credit for that. I actually started listening to his podcast amongst others when I was looking for skeptical opinions on blockchain and crypto. So uh, he was out there even back in 2017 being as real as possible, putting out the best information out there. Um, and, you know, I kind of became a Bitcoin maximalist before Christmas, effectively. And two weeks before Christmas, I quit my my day job at the time, which was doing software sales uh, at, believe it or not, it's it was pretty much like a surveillance marketing company. So like, you know, just big data, like gobbling up, you know, public information rows on the web, uh, packaging it into... Uh, Tar you know, direct targeting information and letting people do lookalike lists and stuff like that. Um, and, and, and market to, uh, people that look like their audience. So, uh, definitely was not, you know, it, 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 it was not a job that really spoke to my soul while I was there. I kind of just took it cause you know, got the title I wanted, you know, got the pay I wanted that kind of thing. But, uh, it was not very hard to pull me away from that. And, uh, I actually quit two weeks before Christmas without even a plan. So I quit that job, no plan other than I'm going to figure it out in Bitcoin blogging or something. So uh, I I quit. I started just kind of like trolling Twitter, trolling online, trying to figure it out. I had a little bit of runway. I was planning to go to Asia with my girlfriend, now wife. Um, and, you know, worst comes to worst, I was just going to put the whole trip on my credit card and figure it out later. So uh, you know, I, I was willing to kind of just take a chance and figure out how I could get a job in the space. Uh, and I went to the North American Bitcoin Conference, uh, which is in Miami. Uh, it's actually like an OG conference. I think Ethereum was announced there back in the day. Uh, but it, it was an absolute shit coin fest, like uh, banana coin poster, radiology chain, like the whole nine yards. It was like, I honestly, I regret not taking more photos because they're so classic, like honestly, so classic. You want to yeah. say something there? No, yeah, I was gonna say the 
the, way, the reason I noticed that Bitcoin is starting to really hit the mainstream for good was this year in Miami. There was just, there was a lot of hot chicks there, and I don't think that that was probably the case at the Bitcoin conferences pre two thousand seventeen. Yeah, I mean, I've definitely been going to Bitcoin conferences for a while, so I've noticed the demographic changes. And uh, I, I really do think that the Bitcoin conference, so not the North American Shitcoin conference uh, that I went to, to to begin my career, but like the one that B BTC Inc. puts on, the Bitcoin conference uh, is a physical instantiation of the entire space. So in one moment in time, the entire space instantiates and you get a really good idea of who's building up this space and what it looks like. And in terms of, you know, adoption and more women entering to the space, I've definitely seen from Bitcoin 2019 to Bitcoin 21 to Bitcoin 22, uh, a, a pretty big shift, It both in like the attendees, as well as like the Bitcoiners in the industry who are working the boost, um, speaking on stage, all that kind of stuff. So um, really, really exciting. But <laughs> to go back to 2017 and, and, the North American shitcoin conference with banana coin posters. Thank God, like there's a, the, the BTC Inc. booth there. And uh, they had the coolest swag. Actually, one of, the, one of my favorite Bitcoin shirts I got at that conference from them. But I met the CRO of BTC Inc. at the time. His name was Bryce Wells. Uh, I shook his hand. I was like, you know, I think you guys have a really cool company. He gave me a magazine. Uh, and, you know, I was like, hey, I do sales, live in San Francisco, you know, would love a job. Let me know. And he was like, Hey, you know, here's my card. Give me a call. So two weeks later, you know, I, I was deep in interviews, uh, with BTC Inc. And by mid February, I had had a job doing event sales. So, uh, they hired me as a salesperson, uh, just slinging events. So I, I slang an event called distributed 2018, which is like a multi-coin conference that we did. Uh, and then in, at the end of 2018 is when we pivoted to Bitcoin only David Bailey announced that, and uh, I mean, at that point, BTC Inc. and Bitcoin Magazine became my dream job. And I was like, all right, I'm going to make this awesome. Uh, and, you know, from there, I, you know, sold several several conferences, sold up to Bitcoin 2020, which got canceled. Uh, when, when that got canceled, uh, actually, Swan Bitcoin was supposed to be announced at that conference. And... Uh, ended up, you know, they <laughs> they had to scramble and 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 make it work and announce it on their own. But um, yeah, I mean, we just we had a a complete like shakeup of our org, right? Like, uh, we were under financial duress because our conference Bitcoin twenty twenty just got canceled three weeks beforehand. We were already out a lot of money because we had to be we had to pay for um putting on the event and then all of a sudden our event went out and also all of our vendors like they weren't really in position to pay us back so it was a tough spot uh so uh as an org we kind of did a little restructuring and at that time uh i was doing a personal podcast with a friend uh called pov crypto where i debated my friend david hoffman who's now pretty famous in the eth space uh about bitcoin versus ethereum and uh, my podcast was just kind of kicking the Bitcoin Magazine podcast ass. And there was like two people, three people working on that. So uh, my boss was like, yo, you should be in charge of this. Like, it's obvious that like, we're not doing the right thing here. Uh, and then from there, uh, I just kind of grew into managing more and more of the media org. I grew to manage all of Bitcoin Magazine, like the, the entire media suite. And then uh, earlier this year, after Bitcoin 2020, 
uh, I was promoted to general manager. Uh, and now I, I, I pretty much manage all of our products. So uh, it's it's been a lot of hard work. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, I've been able to mishmash kind of like skills and uh, things I've learned like, you know, from high school on uh, to kind of guide uh, being able to uh, grow and, and help Bitcoin Magazine be successful. So uh, yeah, man, it's a lot of fun. And I mean, I think my story shows like I, I'm honestly just like a whatever average dude, like, you know, my story kind of shows like, you know, anyone who is passionate and driven uh, and puts in the work, you know, can, you know, can do great things. Yeah, man, that's a fucking awesome story. And I have a similar one, uh, Bitcoin 2021. I was walking around all the booths, collecting cards, talking to hiring managers. I'm like, oh, what programming language do you use? You know, and then I get outside and walk into the Swan Dome. I'm like, oh shit, this is a different experience altogether. I went to Bitcoiner Jobs about a month later, applied. John Pritzker emailed me an hour later. My three interviews were a cumulative total of 20 minutes. And uh, boom, I'm an engineer swan. And like you said, like just an average dude. I didn't go to a great, you know, I went to the University of Nebraska, just living in Omaha. And now, you know, doing what, you know, maybe two years ago would have been a pipe dream. But uh, you mentioned the the ICO stuff and becoming a Bitcoin maximalist. I remember listening to you on what Bitcoin did with uh, Peter McCormick, I don't know, it was earlier this year. And you guys talked a lot about hyper-Bitcoinization. Um, and you were extremely bullish at that time. And I'm just wondering, is your how's your sentiment? You know, in this, uh, you know we're kind of hitting that fair winter. Oh man, sentiment is great. Uh, I've been the, like my my thing right now is just trying to uh, provoke and uh, encourage Bitcoiners to be very very bullish. Um, I, I I definitely have strong thoughts on what adoption looks like. I feel like what I do is study adoption. Um, so uh, that's that's kind of like my purview onto the space. I'm not technical. I'm not literate. I'm not like, uh, I'm not like, you know, explaining things in super concise ways, but like, I, I understand the average person at very, uh, from a place of empathy. And I, I kind of understand, I feel like I understand what adoption looks like and how, and how it plays out. Um, I mean, obviously I could be wrong, but ultimately I think that Bitcoin is binary. So, um, I said that on his podcast, on McCormick's podcast. I've said that on Natalie Brunel's podcast. But what that means is that, like, it's outcomes. It's either like Bitcoin exists into perpetuity, or Bitcoin exists for a very, very long time, and it is the perfect money. It's a fixed supply. It's completely validatable. Like on the spectrum of monies, like it, it's a nine out of nine across the board, and like. Wherever it has any deficits, it's technologically being improved and the ecosystem around it is technologically being improved. Like if you think Bitcoin UX right now is not good, like it's like, okay, well go back to the 1980s and tell me what internet UX looked like. So, I mean, we're going to be moving forward. It's going to get better. So uh, it's not like gold can upgrade it to UX. You know, Bitcoin is fully programmable. So it's it's a fully digital thing. But at the same time, like it exists in a very, very real way. Um, so what I'm saying is that like, 
if Bitcoin works and it and it can persist, if the incentives work, right? If it can actually achieve going to zero issuance and the game theory keeps it alive, then it will be the global reserve asset. Like no other thing is actually better than it. So what's the what's the edge like where's the where's the fail case, right? Well, I, I'm not going to say that it is impossible that the game theory doesn't work. Like, I'm not a game theoretical genius. Like, my my measly brain looking at mining and looking at how nodes work and kind of looking at the fundamentals, I think is going to persist. I think the game theory is going to work. But I actually, I, I would not be able to tell you if it will actually work for certain. Oh, but definitely. if it does work, I can tell you for certain it will. It will be the global reserve currency. It will be the foundation of uh, of wealth transfer. But if it doesn't work, if the incentives fall apart, I think altcoiners like to like paint this future of like paint this future of like oh well, Bitcoin's block war is going to go down too far, and then all of a sudden the security budget's not going to be enough, and then people will start attack it. It's not going to like be. I'm like no, that it's <laughs> like okay, yes, that could happen. But in that case, if Bitcoin can't recover, if the incentives don't work, then it should die. Like it will die. It should die. And something else will 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 take over. It's probably going to be some statist cuck thing. You know, I hope you're loading up on bullets and, and whatever else you need to kind of prep through some uncertainty. But um, that that's the that's the fail case, right? The fail case is the incentives don't work. Like we all get statist cucked. And, you know, or, and maybe we like go into some dark ages, who knows, who knows, but the, the, the bright orange future is that Bitcoin works. Uh, the incentives do play out. Um, people continue to mine it. People continue to validate more people continue to leverage it, uh, to be a unit of account, a medium of exchange and a store of value. Um, and, uh, it gets more and more ingrained into our society. And the crazy thing is, is that. Like Bitcoin right now is extremely volatile and it's going to get more volatile as it, you know, goes to that end goal. But in that end goal, it's going to be the most stable thing in the world. Like it's actually the removal of volatility from the monetary supply. Uh, so like, that's kind of like what uh, Breedlove talks about with uh, Bitcoin is the number zero, which is one of the best uh, essays about Bitcoin ever. Um, but it's actually this new paradigm that increases our capability to allocate capital. And this is what, this is actually the key to why people aren't bullish enough is that they're like trying to go through this exercise of like repricing the world in Satoshi's, but they never make any, like, I would say reasonable assumptions about like the implications of adopting true sound money both in the case that, uh, you know, we have this scarce supply that we're going to have to divide all the value of the world in, but also in like, how how is adopting that sound money going to make us more productive, going to actually make us better? Like if, if we're producing this laptop and that camera and this microphone on a fiat standard, like what are we going to do on a Bitcoin standard? Like what is what is the tech going to look like on the other end of that? Because if you go from like, if you realize how terrible fiat is, and then you can see like, wait, we could move to a world where our monetary operating system is perfect. Then you're like, okay, what can human ingenuity do then? 
And then what does infinity divided by 21 million equal, right? It's like, hey, take whatever you're thinking. Now take it in order of magnitude, two order of magnitude, three orders of magnitude higher. And then maybe you're somewhat directionally correct, right? Like that's that's like the bright orange future destiny that we're talking about. Like, so it's either failure or like disgustingly ridiculous value per Satoshi. Like we're talking about more than you can even effing imagine, right? Like, it's just like, we are we are going to divide everything, but we're also going to make all of it bigger, all of it more, right? So like, like people, I just think that people aren't like connecting the dots here, right? Of like, like there, there is not a middle ground. There's not this world where it's like, Bitcoin's just some other asset and, you know, you're going to trade it for dollars or ETH or some other bullshit. Like, it's just not going to be the case. No, I totally agree I, with the binary, zero or infinity. And I think that the people who say, like, the world divided by, or the world is the numerator, Bitcoin is the 21 million denominator. I don't think that's bullish enough again, because we're going to figure out nuclear fit, no, fusion. We're going to have fusion energy. We're going to have computer chips that are exponentially more uh, efficient. The productivity of mankind is going to explode. And I'm not saying that, I mean, maybe not in my lifetime, people are going to go to Mars, but we're going to go further out into space, into the galaxy, and there's going to be more resources. There's going to be more value that's going to benefit us. So it's when people say, you know, the world over 21 million, I prefer the infinity. I mean, it's, everything like you said it's programmable we may not be able to physically trans go to another you know another planet where there's life say hundreds of years even decades whatever that we find life another planet but we can find a way if everything's digitalized if we digitize everything we can share that information we can share that value further out to the other planets in the future, I mean, the, when people say, um, you, like, "Do you think that Bitcoin could be the reserve currency of the world?" I say yes because it's capable of it, and if it's capable of it, then it can have, then it, then it can do it, or it, then it, it will do it. Um, maybe not this year, but or next year, but in the, you know, at some point in the future, it will improve and it will become liquid enough that I, I think it can happen. Yeah, I mean, I honestly think it's going to happen pretty fast. And my my reasoning for that is I just like look back on other technological innovations and how quickly they kind of rooted themselves. And then I take into account the fact that like the infrastructure for Bitcoins effectively already exists. So like there you don't actually have to build it out in terms of like, like we're not laying cable, you know, we're, you know, it's not, we're not building roads here. Like, you know, we're setting up data centers, right. you know, downloading software. You That's have, it. You, you know, build your, you have to build your business near a road, near an energy grid. Now you just need a node, a lightning node and to write some software that makes somebody's life somewhat easier that they're willing to pay for. And you can be anywhere in the world and your business is connected to everybody else. Like, this is what I'm trying to say, Dan, is like, and, and, like whenever people are like, what will like the what will stuff be priced in, in 2050? It's like, well, if you have any reasonable ex like expectations about what hyper-Bitcoinization would look like, 
given a reason like a normal technological adoption curve, then you would answer, well, I have no idea because I have no idea, you know, how, where we're going to be by 2050 as a society. So 30 years. And then, uh, the, the buying power of one Satoshi, because <laughs> buying power of one Satoshi might be like, you know, a dollar's buying power today. It might be like a hundred dollars buying power today. Who knows? Like I'd be saying, you know, don't work in don't have an, a, a Satoshi on exchange. It's too expensive. Break it down further so people can feel like they can afford it. I mean, yeah, I, 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 I think we're guaranteed to go to millisats. Like we should already be thinking about that. The fact that we're not talking like that should be one of the main conversations. If people were actually bullish enough about Bitcoin, we would be debating how to like what's the proper uh, naming convention for you know the the post the millisat and beyond. Uh, de- you know, kind of denomination because we have to go further. Oh yeah, that's like debate on social media, for sure. I'm saying like it should be already like yeah. that. That that's pretty much proof that no one's bullish enough. It's because that we're not even thinking about that. Like I'm 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 honestly awestruck by how not bullish enough Bitcoiners are. Like literally all of them are just huge fucking bears, and we're talking about the most bullish people on Bitcoin. Like it's just completely off. It's not even correct back <laughs> at all. To, to the macro stuff, right? Like, I think the reason that people are super bearish right now is because the macro environment looks pretty fucking pitiful. But I actually think that that is more bullish because when dollars are freely flowing all over the place, right? People don't need Bitcoin as much. But in Africa, Latin America, a lot of these countries, the access to dollars is drying up. And there's going to be chaos, there's going to be riots, there's going to be food shortages, energy shortages. They're not going to get those act, that access to fiat anymore. And I think that that is re- I mean, what's, what's the, you know, like you mentioned something about iPhones and, you know, 10 years ago, 13 years ago, nobody had an iPhone, now everybody's got an iPhone. Well, because it solved the problem for people. Like they needed to, they wanted to have a mobile connection, be able to talk, text, access these apps. If you don't have a need for <laughs> it, it was undeniable. Right. It's like if you didn't adopt it, you're poor. Exactly. <laughs> like you didn't have a job. You're you're outdated. You're gone. <laughs> and that's that's what's gonna happen. It's gonna be a necessity. It's gonna go from being like, oh, I can you know make maybe number go up. I can make some money off this. So like I need money. I need to be able to transact digitally. There's no other solution for me. And I don't. So I don't think hyper Bitcoinization is gonna come from Miami, United States, Europe, Canada. It's gonna come from you know we're I think 33 percent of the on chain activity is Nigeria. That says it all. It's not like you know El Salvador, DRC, or excuse me, the Central African Republic. Uh, those are going to be the places that spark that little seed that's going to spread like mycelium. Uh, totally agree. I mean, so here, here's one of my phrases. It should be a catchphrase, but Bitcoin wins at the margins. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So wherever Bitcoin meets up with like legitimate competition, it just decimates it. And then as it becomes more liquid, it continues doing that. So like, you know, what are we like? We are, we are an 8x away from, from gold. Like imagine how filthy of a beast Bitcoin's going to be when it's at gold's liquidity and market cap, right? Like, it's like th- this stuff improves, it, like Bitcoin improves exponentially, right? So it's like the Bitcoin we know today, it, 
it, it's gonna like look nothing like the, the Bitcoin at that level. Like we won't even be able to recognize it. Like that's how much like, yeah, like how, how you know it's like like gold did what it did at at you know gold gold's been so significant at this mark at the, its current market cap right at its current distribution. So I don't know. I just. No, it's, you know, like, it's the apex, you know, and when the, that's the margin, it's going to be done. So you're a, you're a communicator. You are an organized, you organize people around a cause, whether it's at work or around Bitcoin. But Bitcoin is a global phenomenon. You're communicating with people from different cultures, different languages, different beliefs. That's a challenge. Um, but I, I've noticed that we talk about a lot, of, a lot about memes on here, and it's it's a really easy way, really efficient way to communicate an idea that kind of anybody ha can identify with. And I don't have you thought about how to spread this message and how to communicate the value of Bitcoin to you know somebody in Sub-Saharan Africa. How, I mean, what do you have in common with somebody in, if you live in San Francisco, right? Like not a whole lot, but when you get on Twitter get on spaces, you, you'll be talking and, and debating with those people and you guys understand a lot of the same concepts, a lot of the same values, incentives, and the means. Like that's that's like a way to connect us. And like I'm just not, I'm just trying to figure out a way to broaden or to expand my communication out to people who might want to hear this and might be able to what do you want to call it, sales, evangelism, to help spread that that message well i mean the beautiful thing is that bitcoin's open source and that there's just like millions of people both in the bitcoin and shitcoin and anti-bitcoin space that are evangelizing for it so like when people like talk about bitcoin evangelism you know you can talk about one-on-one -on -one evangelism I prefer to think about like Bitcoin from the perspective of like a viral network uh, and Bitcoin benefits from the Streisand effect. So the Streisand effect is like when you try to hide something or you try to shit talk something like you're talking about that thing. You're you're pretty much pointing a spotlight at that thing. So um, yeah, so like that pretty much like that counts for like the anti-Bitcoin people, right? That counts for the censors in the world like the fiat people that are abusing the system that counts for the shit coiners that are pretty much trying to say like, whatever, not Bitcoin, like that counts for all the Bitcoiners that are like doing whatever, you know, right or wrong, who cares? Like Bitcoin just, it benefits from all of that. It's like this mind virus. That's like, Hey, you learned about the wrong way. You learned about the right way. Who cares? You'll figure it out eventually. Are you holding some? Okay, good. Right. Like that's kind of how it works. And it kind of just starts sucking you in in that way. Like once you enter into the Bitcoin world, it's like you can't exit out of it, right? It's it's just a one-way function. So um, like that's how Bitcoin evangelism works. Like it, it's like this just like overarching, uh, it, you know, it's like, uh, uh, what did I say? It's like COVID and gold mixed together, right? Um, it's just like it's a it's a virus on the internet, you know, um, and you you can't you can't escape it. Um, one of my favorite ways to think about Bitcoin is like this like idea of like the Bitcoin game, 
Like Bitcoin was invented and now the world is playing the Bitcoin game and there is no option. Like, you know, you're playing either way. So, um, Bitcoin event. Then there's no alternative. Now he just sold all his Bitcoin. So apparently there is, but you know, no, he, he didn't sell all of his Bitcoin, but he, what here, I think a key thing, he, he did not sell all of his Bitcoin. He sold like half of his Bitcoin or something like that. Honestly, who gives a shit? Everyone needs a good boating accident. So if you're really an adversarial thinker, you think twice about what you hear on the internet. So in general, what, what I would say is that Bitcoin Tina is someone who does not have cash flow. Someone who does not have cash flow, it's very difficult for them to be uh, 100% uh, Bitcoin because they have a higher time preference, especially in older age. So, you know, just if you have cash flow, you can be 100% Bitcoin. If you don't have cash flow, you have to manage your shit. Like, lay off. Like, stop being assholes. If you're bullish enough, you know that you don't need that much Bitcoin because it's going to be fucking, it's going to be very valuable. So you can live a comfortable lifestyle without over leveraging yourself on Bitcoin because you're bullish. Like, guess what? Get more bullish and 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 be confident and comfortable in your position so uh that would be my advice but uh yeah i mean back to being very very bullish right uh again i just think that uh it's it's uh it's kind of like this just uh it like bitcoin gets evangelized in ways that we can't recognize like i i honestly one of my biggest gripes with like the Bitcoin only community, the Bitcoin best practicers, the Bitcoin maxis, whatever, is I honestly think that like they're pretty close-minded to like how Bitcoin gets evangelized. Right. Um, and personally, I think I'm very open-minded to how it gets evangelized. And there's best practices, but, you know, shit works either way. <laughs> no, it, it, the People just go off on shit coins or whatever on Twitter every day, but the way I think about it is Doge and whatever. There's a million of them. It's making people comfortable with this new digital money. And it's, it's, I mean, Doge is worthless at the end of the day, but it's, you know, it's fine because if you're new to the space and you lose all your Doge, it doesn't really matter. Like, but you, you got sucked in, right? And once you get sucked in, you're in that like gravitational force. You're slowly getting pulled in, right? And like you said, there's no getting out of it. So once you get into that orbit, you're stuck in that orbit and you're eventually going to make it to that black hole, which is Bitcoin. And that's going to suck all your time and all your thoughts and just everything you do. And I think that it's, you know, all these shit coins, like they're just, they're all essentially forks of Bitcoin at the end of the day. And they're just expanding that like gravitational force that's pulling people. Yeah. I mean, they, they are what they are. Um, Ultimately, I think that they, they're a mechanism for educating people about Bitcoin. I think that's correct. There's obviously a lot of confusion in the space, but like if you zoom out again, my whole, let's say the theme of this is like get high and zoom out. But, um, you know, if you zoom out, you realize like we're at 0 0.0 whatever, less than 1% global adoption. And this is a new operating system for how the world works. This is a new operating system for measuring and communicating value that's very unintuitive. So if we're at 0 0.00 whatever percent adoption, 0.0000% Bitcoin maximalist, 
then of course, like the uneducated masses are going to get distracted and confused and sidetracked and driven away or, you know, caught up in all this stuff on the journey to becoming a Bitcoiner and then becoming a Bitcoin maximalist like that, like have some empathy, you know, like this really is about empathy. And if you, if you have empathy, yeah, I feel like you can have a pretty open mind to, again, how Bitcoin adoption works in reality, right? Like this is actually how it's happening. Right, like realigning incentives on a global level and coming to a global consensus is not going to happen overnight. It takes time, it takes education, it takes, it takes, a, lot, it takes a lot of resources. But I think it's, you know, I think it's speeding up like, like the exponential curve, right? Like it, it grows, it grows, and then boom, before you know it, it's the the techno the technology adoption s curve is probably accurate for bitcoin too i think so i i'm still i know i said i was kind of bearish even despite the macro picture but short term i still think there's pain i'm hoping to get some cheap more cheap stabs i know you said you know probably add enough considering what one satoshi is going to be worth but still going to stack a little bit more Hey, I, I, I stack today. I stack every day, whatever. Like, I'm not saying don't stack, don't take advantage of this opportunity, but there's no reason to put yourself in a leverage position where you are uncomfortable or you have to sell at an unopportune time. Like, you or know, put yourself in a place where you can't emotionally handle the product. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I, yeah, I would say for sure. Like if you can emotionally handle it, then your position is not too big for sure. So, I live in the Midwest, and yesterday it was 100 degrees. Today, the high was 60. That, that's a big change, and you don't get a big change like that, in the, especially in the Midwest, without lots of wind, thunderstorms, and tornadoes. So, hyper-Bitcoinization, if it happens fast, you know, we talk about Bitcoin as like a peaceful revolution. Do you think it will be peaceful, or do you think it will involve a lot of violence and conflict? Because the people in power and money now, they're not going to just give it up. Maybe they'll jump, some of them will adopt Bitcoin. But I don't know. Do you think it's going to go smoothly? I think that for better or for worse, the path that we're on is the most peaceful, peaceful path. Like the emergent order created Bitcoin in order to save us from the freaking reckoning that is what is happening for what inevitably happens from fiat system imploding. So like, to be like, if Bitcoin happens fast, is that going to be turbulent? It's like turbulence is happening. Shit is completely exploding in front of our eyes, <laughs> you know, well, like the emergent order of human ingenuity created Bitcoin literally just in time as a life raft. So it's like, yeah, I hope everyone fucking gets on the life raft as, as fast as fucking possible. Yes, that's the path. That is the safest and most peaceful path. <laughs> it's like, like this. This is why I'm saying Bitcoiners are bears. <laughs> like we're still talking about it, like as if like Bitcoin's this thing. This could happen. Is it going to be peaceful? Are people going to shoot each other? It's like this is happening, guys. <laughs> yeah. And yes, it's fucked. <laughs> like it's happening. <laughs> the mainstream still talks about it, like. Uh investment option but it's not an investment option it's the only option 
Yeah, Bitcoin is happening. And and also the fiat system is crumbling and is being weaponized in and it has been destroying human value for a long time. So good riddance. The other thing that people kind of say a lot, uh, at least on Twitter, is you know, there'll be some bad news or some bad news like Bitcoin doesn't care, Bitcoin doesn't And I generally agree with that. But somebody's gotta build it. Somebody's got to spend it. Somebody's got to get it, you know, circulating through the economy, building communities, stuff that use it. What do you think about that? Do you think that when people say, "Yeah, Bitcoin doesn't care," Bitcoin doesn't, you know, keep going? You kind of said it's like, you know, it's happening. But we need, you know, there is kind of a call to action. Like, if you have the resources, you have the knowledge, you have the time. We kind of need you if you're Bitcoiners to. Network help us spread the word, help us organize, or no? The incentives and the everything just aligns to the point that it's inevitable. People say, you know, Bitcoin doesn't need you. There's some fud. There's some negative news. You know, it's like Bitcoin doesn't care. But somebody's got to build it. Somebody's got to improve the UI. Somebody's got to organize and build communities and spend it, get it into circulation. So do you agree with that? Kind of like, it's just inevitable. It's so, it's so big. It's the incentives are so strong that it's, you know, it's just going to happen. Or do you kind of think that there is like a responsibility on us collectively to, to build it? Both. But again, like Bitcoin is the incentive system. So that's why I say like it's it's binary. The incentive system works and we build it. Or the incentive system doesn't work. And I hope you have some guns. Like, I don't know what else to say. Like that, it's, it is really that binary. It's like, and that's why when I say like, is it is Bitcoin the most peaceful way if it happens fast? Like, duh, yes, of course, because this shit is blowing up no matter what. Right. Like right. it, it, and, and honestly, if we don't build it, if Bitcoin can't incentivize us to mine it and develop it and build it, then it won't work. But guess what? If you look at all the signs, it points to it's working. Hash rate up, developers up, companies up, ecosystem up, mind share up, up and to the right. That's all I see. So, I think like Bitcoin as an incentive system is continuing to work. Yeah, I think I agree with that. It's like, it's not that we need you. It's that the incentives are there. It's going to keep someone. It's going to answer the call. Yeah. Yeah. It, Bitcoin doesn't need you, Dan, but I mean, it has to, it, it, it requires people, right? It requires like, and it needs to continue gaining people. Like Bitcoin's like this insatiable beast. It must be fed. So, uh, and I, and I think it's going to keep eating, frankly. Totally. I guess one of my final questions would be, um, we're going to Bitcoin magazine. How do, how do like the, the traditional finance media, uh, trad people, how do they, how do you, how do you think they perceive Bitcoin magazine? Do you think it's like, you know, a culture magazine or do they consider it kind of like a financial news? Do they kind of consider you on there as peers? I don't talk to them. <laughs> Not a fan of uh stalwart Joe from Bloomberg. I mean, I, I would say that 
Bitcoin Magazine is a cultural magazine, but we are also on the cutting edge of Bitcoin. We're we're a publication for Bitcoin enthusiasts. So Bitcoin enthusiasts by nature are on the cutting edge because it's open source. It's not owned by anyone. So the most the the foremost experts are enthusiasts. So like we publish enthusiasts, we our audience is enthusiasts. We create products and collectibles for enthusiasts, right? So, um, and frankly, I think that that is a very, very good audience to be investing in. So uh, I'm I'm very excited to be building a, a cultural publication for that audience. Um, so I think we both have the best information and signal about Bitcoin and frankly, macro, because Bitcoin is the most important thing happening in macro today. Um and on top of that, you know, we have a strong, respected brand with uh, the most important people in the world, which are Bitcoin enthusiasts. So uh, I think we're in a good place. And, uh, you know, uh, I like Joe. Uh, you know, Joe goes to Bitcoin beef steaks. So I think that makes him uh, a Bitcoiner, even however he uh, presents himself uh, on social media. Uh, and, you know, ultimately, uh Bitcoin Magazine is trying to replace the media, right? We're trying to replace devices and, uh, you know, whatever other, you know, the Rolling Stones or whatever other cultural publications rose uh, throughout time. So uh, soon when Bitcoin is money and uh, the world runs on Bitcoin and Bitcoin is the most important techno technology on the world, on the planet, you know, Bitcoin Magazine is going to re represent a very important, you know, establishment in uh, that reality. So a few months ago, I was obsessed with mining. A few months after that, I was obsessed with lightning. Now I'm on like some philosophical psychedelic trip or whatever on how Bitcoin's going to change the world. What aspects of bitcoin are you like currently nerding out on right now and learning about and just kind of thinking about i mean for me i think the you know i've been spouting about all the positive implications of sound money but even bigger than sound money is bitcoin as this like energy buyer of last resort like i think what bitcoin does in the energy market via mining Mm -hmm. um is it, it's just the most fascinating thing and it's the most impactful thing right we are seeing how like energy is the through line of everything that we have and do it's it's like the blood of the robotic you know of our economy right um so like bitcoin as an energy innovation and something that can you know, exponentially improve our ability to capture and manage energy. Like the implications of that, it just like, it just blows my mind every single fucking time. And just think and about if it was, yeah, yeah. Just, just think about the, the innovation, like, you know, the space race trying to go to the moon, all the, all the technologies that were kind of just stumbled upon trying to put men in outer space. And when you think about Bitcoin mining, it's like this, global industry that is trying to maximize efficiency of energy use and all of the second order effects that are going to come from that, the computer chip uh, innovation, using the the heat that the ASICs put off to heat homes to less, just continue to maximize the efficiency of our energy use. And I, that, like I said, I, I was thinking about that 
all every day, all day, a few months ago, and I'm back to it. But like you said, the mining, the humans maximizing efficiency of energy use. I think that's what it's really doing right now under behind the scenes, the number, the, the price is low, but that's the hash rate is the unmanipulated futures market. And it's bullish. Bitcoin mining is the next space race that, that came straight from you, man. So that's, right. that's, that's a good one. Last question. Your, uh, your Twitter profile says you like to uh, do home cooking. What are you, uh, what are you cooking up these days? What are you experimenting with any any wild dishes oh man uh I, I feel like for a while i was obsessed with making whole chicken and now my recent thing obviously because of bitcoin is is just getting mastering the steak um so i've been doing a lot of that um just like everything that could go on the side of a steak, you know, like really good mushrooms, like getting into salt, um, Blue cheese sous vide. Butter. I'm not convinced on it. Yeah. You know, doing, I actually haven't gotten into the fancy butters yet. Like I'll get nice butter, but I haven't like made my own or anything yeah. like that, but you know, it's a, it's a deep rabbit hole. Like it, it's, and honestly it takes, it takes a lot of repetition just to like nail cooking a specific cut or you know doing a specific technique so it's uh it's definitely a pretty delicious thing to have to you know practice mm -hmm. but uh you know honestly my, my big thing with home cooking is like it is just such a amazing upgrade to your lifestyle in so many ways i just i i deeply deeply encourage everyone to adopt it you know if you think about things that you can adopt that can change your life Home cooking is one of the best ones. One, it's going to improve your family life because you're going to be doing something at home with whoever's in your home, whether it's your roommates or whether it's, you know, your girlfriend or whether it's, uh, you know, your kids or whatever it like, it, it's guaranteed to work. Like if you do it, you know, um, two, it saves you a lot of money, right? Like, okay. I bought like a beautiful freaking uh, tomahawk steak right? It was like three pounds cost me 41 bucks. You're like, Oh, that's expensive. Right. Okay. You want to get that at a restaurant? That's $200. Totally. Right. So I know how to cook that thing just as good as a restaurant and I can make it for 41 bucks. So instead of spending $200 and okay, add on wine, you know, add on some sides and we're talking about $500 pretty easy. You know, it's not that hard. So, um, you know, I could do that for a hundred bucks. I could do that for 80 bucks. Right. So that's like serious stat stacking. And then third is uh, health. Like I, my dad has uh, owned a restaurant uh, for 30 years. Uh, you know, we've had conversations about what the restaurant industry is like. Like if you are cooking something at home, it's I, I, I guarantee you it is impossible for you to put more shitty oil or more fat or more whatever you consider to be bad, more butter on your stuff than a restaurant will as a baseline. Like, so here's what you would do is you consider it's like, oh my God, I put so much butter on that thing. Restaurants doing like three or five X of that. And it's probably worse quality. And odds are they're probably just using canola oil anyways. So most restaurants are just straight using seed oils. So um, 
you know, like you can indulge if you self, if you cook at home and it's still probably going to be healthy. Like, I'm not telling you to go crazy, but like you can. And like comparatively to like what someone else at a restaurant is going to cook for you, it will definitely be healthier. So that that's my main point. You can, so healthier, cheaper, social benefits, right? And also you look like a boss, right? Like people come over, you serve up something absolutely amazing. Like they're like, damn, like you're a boss. So it's like, I, I highly recommend adopting home cooking. Um, other things I like, you know, uh, I moved to Nashville from California. So I've been trying to make a lot of Mexican food uh, nice. just because it's it's not the same as home. So try to replicate it. Easy ingredients. Um, make a lot of Asian food. Yeah. Easy ingredients too. You can get anywhere and you can, you can, you can make it t- taste authentic. Uh, my wife has been making homemade tortillas need some practice but it's not easy it's not easy so oh, uh, some of those some of those taqueria ladies uh and gents you know they make it look really easy but it, it it's not that easy even with the press and everything but uh it's a lot of fun nice man so are you gonna make it down to pacific bitcoin in november so uh, I'm unable to go unfortunately uh there's an event here that I'm hosting people at but there's going to be like 10 people from Bitcoin magazine here going. So people are awesome. really hyped about it. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's a really, it, it's looking like it's going to be a really great event. Awesome, man. Well, thanks so much for your time. Thanks for coming on here. Uh, it was a pleasure talking to you. Hope to do it again. Yeah, man. And hey, we're on the High Hash Rate podcast. Uh, I hope a bunch of the stoners listening are going to be at Amsterdam. So that's going to be coming up in uh Oh, exactly. Yeah, talk about that. Yeah, that's what, yeah. by the time this comes out, it'll be a little too late. So talk about how great it's going to be in advance. <laughs> October 12th through the 14th, but yeah, it's going to be a great time. So um, yeah, I mean, I, you, you'll you'll see it on social media, but it's a, a true bear market conference, just like Pacific Bitcoin. And uh, those are just the best. Nice. All right. How can people find you if they want to listen to your podcast, learn more? Yep. So bitcoinmagazine.com. Uh, also, you can look up FedWatch in your podcast feed. We're also on the Bitcoin Magazine YouTube page and uh, Bitcoin Magazine podcast. Uh, and yeah, on Twitter at CK underscore snarks. You heard it here. Thanks again for listening to the High Hash Rate podcast. You can find us at, at High Hash Rate on Twitter. Or you can hit up uh, Dan at Heartland Bitcoin on Twitter and myself, Mike. I am at Rundance BTC. Yeah.